Hey, this is the Nobody Likes Casey McLean podcast. Please check out my stand-up dates at thecaseymcclain.com. Also, follow me on all social media at thecaseymcclain. Check out stand-up clips and videos of mine at youtube.com slash McLean. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is where I host this podcast. It's where the file sits. It's also a great place if you want to start a podcast where you can record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When you're hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast to all the listening platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Whatever you're listening to this podcast on, you can get your podcast to that platform very easily. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hello and welcome to the Nobody Likes Casey McLean podcast. This is Casey McLean. And I am recording this episode from the friendly confines of my recliner in my living room for no good reason other than I'm tired, everybody. We're at the end of the year. It's been a wild, wild year. I, uh, so today was the, probably the, the, I'm recording this on Tuesday, the 21st. Um, by the way, if you are listening to this when it comes out, next week at Airport Tavern, to close out the year, we have Todd Royce hosting and a bunch of other, a bunch of other comics on the show. Um, I'll be in Fort Wayne, Indiana, helping open Summit City Comedy Club. I'm performing. I'm not, uh, running food yet. We'll see. We'll see what it looks like out there. Um, so that should be, I think that'll be fun. Uh, Steve Renazisi is headlining. Come buy a shirt. If you know somebody that lives out there, come have them buy a shirt. It's going to be going to be a good time. Um, God, I'm tired. It's been a long month. Tomorrow I go on stage for the first time. So I'm recording the 21st, the 22nd. Tomorrow it'll be the first time I've been on stage in December because I had. So December 1st is when my wife tested positive for COVID. And then we, uh, I was supposed to do shows in Seattle that did not end up happening. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to keep the schedule kind of light, keep my, keep my, I was already keeping December somewhat light, uh, if possible so that I could spend time, uh, with my family. It's the, you know, last year we didn't get to do a lot of stuff. And then we have the one Thanksgiving, uh, we have a Thanksgiving that's, um, one Thanksgiving guest comes with COVID kind of throws things into a tailspin. I was supposed to do shows. I mean, yeah, I've had to cancel some shows. I, I was lightly booked and had to cancel a bunch of it. So first time I will have been on stage in the month of December, 2021. God, I sound drunker. I'm like, I'm on my third drink. I have been drinking during these podcasts, by the way. And uh, it makes me miss when I used to have a co-host and we would just like get a good buzz going every episode. That was fun. Maybe we'll reunite the podcast of two guys who aren't friends anymore. <laughs> okay, there's a couple things that I want to talk about. Um, 
One of them is Charlemagne the God has a show on Comedy Central called like God's Honest Truth. Maybe it's God's Honest. And people, there's a, Charlemagne is like, first off, he's a tremendous interviewer, but he also makes his, uh, he has made a name for himself asking tough questions to like rappers who present an immediate threat to him. He's had rappers threaten him. He's had death threats. He's asked questions that created a lot of animosity in the moment and in the future. And, uh, he's a great interviewer. And he'll press people. And so he interviews... First off, there's two things about this this clip going around with Kamala Harris, which is, first off, uh, it's very obvious from the clip that Kamala Harris didn't want to answer the question that he asked. And what Charlemagne asked, and I'm, because I'm not uh, next to my computer right now, I'm going to summarize it with my own voice instead of playing the clip, but... What Charlemagne asked was, who's the real president of the United States, Joe Manchin or Joe Biden? Kamala Harris got mad. It's a provocative question. It's a it's a rude way to ask that question. Um, Charlemagne is a rude boy, you might say. <laughs> I don't think he's Jamaican, but uh, it's intentionally rude and provocative for sure. And then, but the, what they don't show you on the, the clip that's been circulating is that's not the end of the interaction. The interaction actually extends well beyond that, and it ends pleasantly. Kamala Harris and Charlemagne's uh, interview ends pleasantly. There's a there's a moment of tension there. There's a moment where Kamala Harris obviously gets very angry, uh, or at least gets uh, intense about the way that question got answered. She told Charlemagne to stop talking like a Republican, which I think is, um, I, so I listened to Charlemagne on the breakfast club for all of 2016, like leading up to the election. I don't really listen to it anymore. Um, but I think Charlemagne's incredible and he asked a lot of he interviews presidential candidates the same way that he interviews rappers, which is that he asks tough questions, he challenges them, he forces them to face their inauthenticity if they have it. And that's what he did here. Even a person who he is uh, friendly with, Kamala Harris. And people are mad like somehow he betrayed... Democrats like the way that you should make the Democratic or the Democratic Party better more electable um, more popular is by just giving them a free pass on all their bullshit and I'll, I'll I don't know how many people uh, care who I voted for I don't know how many conservatives and liberals this isn't a <clears throat> I'd like to think that I don't um, cater to either in particular, but I've, I've never voted. I voted in four elections. Um, and to this point I voted for exclusively Democrats for president. When I was opening for JP Sears, <clears throat> there was a conversation where somebody goes, um, 
you know, starts talking about politics and they go, of course we all voted for Trump here, but, and I went and they go, you voted for Trump, right? So like the other guy and then the other person that was talking to us and me and I go, oh no, I voted for Kanye, which is not true, but I wish that I had. <clears throat> um, The thing where you use Republican as a dehumanizing insult is not helpful. It's like this thing where they're like, I saw this uh, tweet today. A lot of this podcast has just become me complaining about tweets from non-famous people, like tweets that you didn't see. But it was basically like, um, oh God, it was like, like, un the, I don't want the unvaxxed to die, but I also don't want them clogging my hospital system like pieces of shit in a toilet. This is what, this is virtue signaling. This is preaching to the choir. This person has no interest. I've talked about this a lot on this podcast, but this person has no interest in convincing another person that they should get vaccinated. We talked about, um, I talked about this on uh, a past episode for sure. <clears throat> I'm pro vaccine vaccinated three times. I take rapid tests very often and I'm anti-vaccine mandate. And it's not because I think it's bad or I'm skeptical of its efficacy. I I do think that I talked about Omicron this week and I think that you're starting to see the like fear mongering happen. Um, so I'm not saying that my data, the data that I used is better than like I saw Reuters posted a thing that said Omicron is not the South Africa data very obviously points to Omicron being less of a threat than Delta so I think it's that's important to know the uptick in cases and the fact that the United States is starting to level off and maybe reduce their deaths and death uh, case fatality rate, that's important to know. This idea, the fact that Charlemagne the God is giving a more honest interview, a more, a higher quality political interview than Anderson Cooper and Don Lemon and Chris Hayes, Rachel Maddow, and that's just the people on the left. The other people, Tucker Carlson's garbage too. Uh, the fucking Laura Ingraham or whatever. Um, in fact, like I actually think Megan Kelly is an all right interviewer. Uh, Charlemagne the God is a pretty good interviewer. Like the, 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 I am certainly politically moderate, but I think that people who are independent of party, um, they're better interviewers because they don't have an agenda except for the truth. The truth is their agenda. <clears throat> so it's the, I, I'm always like, when you see someone pressing a candidate and the biggest argument is that they're like a traitor to their party or a traitor to their race, like maybe they don't have a party. I aspire to not have a party. Um, How long have I done? This is going to be a short one. It's Christmas. No one's going to listen to this anyway. 
Uh, voicemails. I was going to do them this week. There's uh, there's some voicemails in the inbox. 253-237-3217. Send me a voicemail. Um, and if you want to send it, if you want to like record it on your phone and send it as a voice message, a voice memo or whatever, I think that'll work. 253-237-3217. Didn't I get a, I got an email address for this podcast, right? Maybe, maybe nobody likes Casey McLean at gmail.com. Send a voice uh, memo there also. God, I'm so fucking tired. Ugh. Not Omicron tired, I'm just... I'm trying to make 2022 a worthwhile comedy year. I'm thankful for 2021. I was, uh, and we'll talk about this more, probably like the last. Um, I probably won't record it. Maybe I'll record an episode in Indiana. We'll see. It's going to be New Year's, so we're going to see um, what's going on. <clears throat> anyway. The the rest of the podcast, I'm going to talk about the Seahawks. Is this even fucking intelligible? It's hot down here. And I'm like, you know that like hot, like you're tired and you just feel like, I don't know, the heat makes you feel more tired. The heat makes you lose your grasp on vocabulary as it feels like it's doing to me right now. Um... The Seahawks had their game flexed to Tuesday because the Los Angeles Rams had 29 positive COVID cases. By the time the game came around, this at that at the time it got moved, I think the Seahawks had either zero or two positive COVID cases. By the time the game came around, the Rams had gotten back some key players and the Seahawks had lost some more key players. I'm not mad about this. First off, the NFL made some pledge to not postpone games at the beginning of the year. They didn't expect the entire league to be having these outbreaks, even after Thanksgiving. Because we're way removed from Thanksgiving right now. These aren't these don't feel like echoes of Thanksgiving. This is this seems to be related to the transmissibility and vaccine evasion ability of Omicron. And the NFL could not have predicted this. So, and also like Cole Beasley, who's been a noted anti-vaxxer got, uh, anti-vaxxer. I really do hate that terminology because I, he might have all of his other vaccines. He doesn't want to get this vaccine. And, he tested positive for COVID. By the way, the fact that it took him till, what are we in, like week 14 to test positive feels like a win considering how many people have tested positive in the NFL recently. Like he tested positive along with every other person in the league testing positive. I'm pro-vaccine, but you got to admit that that doesn't necessarily help the like that that seems to help his argument not the not the cause not the case against him anyway um i think it was fair i think what happened with the seahawks was fair i think that if the seahawks had 30 positive cases um and it was a critical game of the season and the game didn't get moved we'd be complaining just the same as 
Seahawks fans are complaining right now uh, that it did get moved. The Seahawks got fucked. Um, but they didn't really get fucked. They, they, the, the NFL did a thing that I think is the best thing for competitive balance. They had an unforeseen circumstance happen or happen. Uh, sports fans are babies. They're all fucking babies. We'd be so mad if the Seahawks had to play and they were missing half their fucking roster. And you got to admit that you got to admit that that's true. And so like, is, is it even in the spirit of sportsmanship to be like, Oh, you got to, it's the, it's a little bit like when a, when a play happens, the, that's like challengeable or that's like questionable. The offense in football always has the advantage because they can rush up to the line and call a play and try to, um, try to get a playoff before there's a challenge. The defense has no such recourse. And I think that this is one of those things where it's like Seahawks fans go, Oh, there's a, there's a window for the, for the Seahawks to win maybe and keep their playoff hopes alive. So my mind just cares about that window. It just cares about the Seahawks playoff hopes. It doesn't care about if this was a neutral setup or if the Seahawks were on the, on the other side of this. And this is a microcosm of our country. I have this theory that our country became less racist the more into sports we got because now you can channel that like othering energy into a person who wears a different color jersey instead of has a different color skin. <clears throat> but I think that thing has carried through to our political parties too where it's like we go, you got Kamala Harris telling Charlemagne the God not to, th not to talk like a Republican as though that's an acceptable thing for a person who is expected to deal with both sides of the political aisle on a regular basis to say, and it doesn't end at, I mean, what, listen, what Donald Trump said, um, throughout his whole presidency was very divisive, inflammatory, and I'm glad he's out of office. It wasn't good either. Uh, but what Kamala Harris is doing is also divisive. I'm I'm seeing a lot of this stuff that's like I don't know if it's intellectually dishonest or truly ignorant but like there is no doubt in my mind based on the data that we're seeing worldwide about Omicron that it is less severe than it is you would rather get Omicron than Delta and you'd rather get Omicron with a vaccine probably than without a vaccine but it does seem to work around the vaccine some but as we've always said about the vaccine, the vaccine isn't just to prevent contraction. It's to prevent hospitalization, severe cases, death, etc. Um, oh, my God, I'm so fucking tired. People are like willfully ignorant. Like it's it's a. Uh, all this stuff is meant to divide us. What are we? What part of the mantra are we at right now? It's uh, like Reuters is reporting the like, unless the data is a lie, all the like, we have to decide if it is or isn't a lie as Republicans slash Democrats slash independents. Like 
the same data that said it was the same data sources that said it was going to be bad are now saying that Omicron is substantially less uh substantially less threatening to the population. Can we fucking acknowledge that? And it's it's the it's the uh the same thing that Kamala Harris is doing that's making it acceptable to dehumanize people who disagree with you to say that someone challenging the president that she works for in the country that she got elected in to say that someone who's challenging her is speaking like a Republican. And that's a reason to discount what they're saying is, is uh, it's disconcerting and it's not helpful. It's not helpful to compare the unvaxxed people who, by the way, represent like 15% of adults at this point. Um, It's not really helpful to compare them to pieces of shit in a toilet. It's not helpful. There was a bad, uh, I'll admit this too. Um, I'm so between COVID and upcoming comedy gigs and then the, the Thanksgiving and the weekend before that, and I was, I was very busy. And then my wife got COVID. We haven't been able to do anything as a couple, except for basically watch TV at home. And then my mom got COVID and she's the most helpful person to come watch my daughter when we, my wife and I want to do stuff at night. My in-laws have been very helpful in the times when we've needed my daughter to be watched during the day and daycare went away. But uh, at night, it's my mom. She had COVID and one of the side effects of COVID I didn't realize is that we don't get a fucking social life. We don't get to go out to bars and have beers. We don't get to go to restaurants. I did not realize that when my mom got COVID. Were it not for, or if I had known that at the time, I would not have specifically injected her with the virus but here we are and uh so i watched part of the game i watched the first half pretty closely and then my wife and i went out to dinner um there was a pass interference call against the or that didn't get called against the rams um against dj dallas i saw the replay on twitter ultimately this is my beef is it's again it's the double-sided bullshit it's uh it's you don't want defensive pass interference to be reviewable until it impacts your team until it would have otherwise benefited your team and i want it all to be reviewable i think i think maybe you could make the argument that like holding between offensive and defensive line because it could be called on every play because it could be used as like basically you just get a mulligan as a defense um i don't really like that but I think pass interference is such a huge call. Every personal foul, in my opinion, should be reviewable. And I think challenges should, you know, leave them at three or, uh, you know, two plus one or even add a challenge. The challenges don't bother me. Get the fucking call right. Why is, I don't understand why people would rather have the call be wrong, but the game end 45 seconds sooner than have the have a challenge I don't, I don't understand that at all um it's a fuck up of the fans not what are you gonna do 
there's bad calls all the time. That was a particularly bad one. I saw it. It looked particularly bad, but what are you going to do? There's bad calls all the time. You have humans calling these games. All right, finally, uh, Donald Trump was getting interviewed by Bill O'Reilly and actually did something good. And he will got he will get no credit from liberals on this. I guarantee that. <clears throat> Which is, he said that uh, Republicans need to take the um, vaccine conversation back. They need to be proud of this vaccine that he pushed, that he fast-tracked. He helped fast-track. I understand. He's not a he's not in a lab with a fucking white coat on. But he was part of it. And I honestly, I think that we would be better off, I've said this before on the podcast, but we would be better off if liberals would allow fast-tracking this vaccine to be part of the legacy of Trump's presidency. But we're so fucking divided that even what is good, you can't even give a second of what's good. You can't even give a, an inch on what good maybe Donald Trump did because that's that's a bridge too far that's that's this idea that like speech equals violence basically personified is it would be better for 300,000 more people to die than if you believe that the vaccines even have that kind of effectiveness but it would be better for 300,000 more people to die than for what conservatives to feel acknowledged that something that they supported led to this pretty monumental achievement um somebody that they supported so he was being interviewed by bill o'reilly i think for a rally and he was asked if he got a booster and he said yes and then he asked if bill o'reilly got a booster and bill o'reilly said yes and he said that i think you should get the vaccine but i don't think you should be mandated it's wild to me that i have the same view on the vaccine roughly as Donald Trump does. And this is as good a thing as he could have done. Is he going to run in 2024? I don't know. I hope not. All I saw on the comments for this video though, and fuck, this is really where I should have been able to, to where it would have been nice to listen to it. Cause he does it in his very Trumpy way also, but they even start to boo him and he stops them from booing him and says, no, this is the problem. You're playing into their hand. Like, Oh my God. It's, it's genuinely, it's like the, the almost give the guy Twitter back. <laughs> I don't I actually don't. I mean, I do think it's pretty wild. Like to, if they took Biden's Twitter away, if they took Kamala Harris's Twitter away right now, how would you feel? Not great. These companies own a lot more, uh, a lot more of the the share of the American communication system than we realize. That's kind of my argument also that uh, this idea that they're, well, these are private companies. They can do whatever they want. Kind of. They've kind of taken the place of public utilities also, though. All right. I got to stop doing it. I'm so goddamn tired. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please, please uh, follow me at the Casey McLean, um, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Untapped, 
Uh, this will be the last episode before Christmas, so Merry Christmas. Uh, happy Holidays, whatever you celebrate. I don't give a shit. I'm atheist. I celebrate Christmas for the presents and the family and for the opportunity opportunity to smoke a beef rib roast, uh, which I'm going to do. And uh, follow me on Instagram and Twitter because I'm sure my narcissism will not allow me to omit those pictures from either of those feeds. So thank you for listening to this podcast. I might take one off next week. I might just do one next week. So um, who gives a shit? They're free. Thank you for listening and I will, uh, I'll talk to you soon.